everybody. Welcome to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham DeWeese. Back with me once again is Matthew Page. And we have a special guest today, Jason Groski, the former, actually, you're still always going to be an alumni of the University of Michigan, aren't you? No, I wish. No, just University of Defiance. No, just a huge Michigan fan. Ah, okay. But, okay, okay. Uh, but I'll, I'll, t- I'll take but, it now. But you know what's even better? You know what's even better than being an alumni of the University of Michigan is being a defiant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did school in uh, Defiance College and then grad school in Connecticut at University of New Haven. So okay, uh, my apologies. Then, all this, all these years of me bashing you for being a uh, a Michigan fan—that's just me being a jerk then. Yeah, I mean, at least I'm not a cougar or a husky, you know. <laughs> he, he was, oh wow, he did, he he missed the big one there. All right, I mean, oh, but I put to it, didn't I? Crap. Yeah, no, I take well, a lot of crap on this show for being a duck. Well, I do know this for a fact. I do know that Jason, you are one of the one of the most knowledgeable people about minor league baseball sports that I know of, and I'm so happy to have you on this show because right now minor league baseball is in in an incredibly precarious position right now. It's a crisis, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think, I mean, we're here, you know, September 10th and in basically like 20 days, I mean, everything we think could be changed for, for a very long time. Um, just, you know, with every, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's tough to really put to words what potentially could and couldn't, you know, happen. Um, well, the great news, minor the great news, well, the great news is myself and Matt and somewhere in his home, uh, undoubtedly just laden in a hot, in a, in a fog of smoke, you know, from this doom cloud that's coming up. Yeah. Is Brian Select, and he sent us uh, questions to ask you. Matt's got some questions. I have some questions, and we know that you have made the circuit to pretty much every minor league baseball team in these great United States, and uh, we are happy to have you. <laughs> We're happy to have you. Well, you've been to more minor league games than I have. I'll put it that way. Um, yeah, <laughs> you've been yeah, more yeah, than that. You have a, you have an insider's perspective having worked for for multiple <laughs> teams. That that's that's really what the point is. But for those just just first quick clarification purposes for those listening that don't know, on September thirtieth, the current agreement between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball expires, and what happens after that point is darkness and <laughs> no one knows. A cliff. Yeah, yeah the Matt, Grand you... Canyon. <laughs> But Matt, you have some sneaking suspicions. Can you lay a couple of those out and have Jason respond to those with his uh, background? Well, yeah, you, you're you're of you're of the thought that first of all, the Everett Aqua Sox might be in might be in trouble if they can't do a full season, right? Well, I guess the, 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 it's a big it's a big it's a big issue to grapple with and then choose where to start from, really. Yeah. Um, well, let's, I guess start, let's start locally. All, let's start locally, and let's talk about the Rainiers, and let's talk about the Aqua Sox, because that's you know that's what we cover, and that's um, probably what's most important right now. 
Well, we did, the, the the reality is 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 we don't know who is going to be cut. The potentially on the table there will be teams that will be cut, right? Um, baseball's Major League Baseball's desire is to simplify things and and cut down on the number of teams that they're paying for and players that they're playing for and improve the facilities at those that they do keep and so forth. And there is a rumored list that went around in February, I want to say, that yeah, we discussed it was, it was way early. back when. Um, luckily, neither well, of go, the local teams was on that list, but that list so maybe... Let's, go, let's go off the rumored list because that's all we have right now, man. Who's on that list? The rumored list had the Northwest League losing... What, Salem, Kaiser, and Tri-Cities, I believe? Correct, correct. Because Which, what, uh, the, Northwest, the Northwest League would be collapsed into a full season, single season, or a full season single A league, right? Theoretically, yes. We're working off, we're working off, you know, what were rumors were back in February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just go off of what we, what we do know, or what we think we know. Um, then we can get into hypotheticals. Okay, well, we've then we've we, we've we've covered what we think we know at this point. Yeah, oh, okay. there's much more. Well, yeah, what, do you think, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen to the Aqua Sox? I mean, I don't. The only thing I, I think with the Aqua Sox is, I mean, the the rumor was short season dissolves and becomes you know full season that. You know, now that, I mean, is a good and bad thing. Um, I, I think, you know, the rookie league, which is below short season, some some of those teams, um, I, I had someone that worked with Bluefield Orioles, which are now the Bluefield Blue Jays. It, it, he, he was an intern, I think his sophomore year or junior year of college, hired as stadium ops, and by the end of the season, he was basically running as an assistant GM because it, it was run on a shoestring. Um, and it was a community park, just like, you know, like it, it wasn't really cared for. Now, the community loved it because it was basically backyard baseball. But teams like that, you're basically just having a team just to potentially get that one in a million prospect to become something, you know, and they always try to say, is it a prospect or a suspect? What what's going to happen? Is this person just filling a roster, or they actually got something there? Um, and I think you know the rookie leagues kind of just dissolving isn't going to be a bad thing um, because it's going to really look at a full season, which will you know go parallel with the Major League Baseball season. It's not going to have oh let's get the draft picks. You know, well everyone gets shifted up anyways. But it's now going to just shift some people to Arizona or, you know, Florida. Well, that's what they've been doing anyways for rehab majority of the time because they want to see the prospects there. Um, but like you were saying with the Aqua Sox, um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens there because it is a community field owned by the school district. Mm -hmm. So with them trying to play games, I mean... You know, not just like what we already said, being on the outside where we don't have that inside insight right now. You know, they don't know what's going on. So how can they plan a schedule for 2021 expecting to play a full season 
and bounce around high school games. And then there's the college games, the community college. You know, who knows what else? Renting the field for other facilities. I mean, there's there's a lot of what ifs. And, you know, I don't think MLB cares about that because that's not their problem. Their problem is to get games and get players. So that shift will come down to the other teams. And it's like, you know, are 75% of the home games from, you know, March until June 25th all played on the road? I mean, that that's what happened when stadiums were being built. Teams that were supposed to be playing at home played on the road until the facility was done to a certain point. Um, I mean, so that, that could happen um, with some of the teams in the Northwest League. Yeah, I mean, that that's one of the things to think about is if they go full-time, I mean, some of these facilities, uh, you know, the, the Major League Baseball talks about, oh, we want to have a certain standards, a certain level. With the, with the ones that we keep, we want to make sure we have a certain level of, you know, we want to have the, the specialists and bring in the, you know, the the um, the nutritionists and the numbers guys and the weight room and all, you know, all the all the new, you know, scientific, you know, optimizing training and, and, and dynamics and so forth. And I'm forgetting, I'm trying to think of a word, but, it, but anyway, they, um, they want to have a certain level of standard for their facilities. And I look at the, the Everett Aqua Sox and, you know, yeah, they're using, they're using the high school, uh, high school's locker rooms, you know, and, and, and it's just, it's not a perfect situation. It, it works. It's fine right now, but is it really going to be acceptable when they make this determination no i don't think it will be so what do they do then for not just the everett aqua Sox, but say you know across the country on the ones that they keep um you know spokane spokane keep they keep spokane but they're gonna have to remodel probably spokane's facilities you know um so do, so does the major league baseball then sweeten the deal and 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 soften the hurt by remodeling the ones they keep and putting monies in um, I don't know if they'd be inclined to do that. Well, I, I, what I think back before I got involved, all minor league teams were owned by the major league franchises. Mm-hmm. When that happened, they didn't care about the facility. I mean, honestly, they cared about the, the product on the field. That's all that was important to them. So when independent ownership groups came involved in the teams, that's where you saw stuff like improve on the stadium life. There was investors. There was people that did, like actually cared about everything off the field. Because that's the one thing that like no matter what happens in minor league baseball, no one can control the outcome on the field. The staff and everyone else controls the other stuff, the experience. Mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you scores of any games I've ever gone to. D- doesn't matter. Don't care. But I can tell you how many games I had fun at. Like, yeah. that that's what matters. So that's what minor league baseball is about. And so now major league saying all this stuff, like, oh, we want to do all this stuff. They did that 80s and 90s, you know? Like, when the resurgence of minor league baseball came around, like, it wasn't because these MLB teams were putting on a grand spectacle. It's the, you know, the outside ownership groups that came in and invested and really said, hey, you know what? This is what we're going to do, and we're going to make it better. Um, 
because I'm looking at some of these teams from Baseball America that they announced. Um, it looks like it was updated April 21st of this year. Okay. I'm looking at the rookie league teams, and this is it tells you you know the cities and the names, and I'm like it says Blue Jays, Pirates, Royals, Braves, Twins, Rockies, Reds, Cardinals, Mets, uh, Rays, again. Well, any any basically minor league team that has their affiliate name in the title of their team pretty much is owned by the MLB franchise. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that list is pretty good right there, just in the rookie league of people being owned by their major league franchise that are potentially on this cut list. So that just tells you, like, they're cutting dead weight on, on that in my in my terms. That, you know, these are teams that aren't, aren't just, they're just there just because, you know, we're get, we're see what we can do. You know, hopefully uh, get that one in a million. But I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of discussions going on. But it's like, yeah, I mean, cutting dead weight is okay. I think the rookie league is fine to go away because they, some of these teams average 700 people per game, and that's in counting the employees and the staff and everyone there. Um, yeah, so I, I get when, it. When you say rookie, when you say rookie league, you mean short season single leg, or do you mean rookie league? So like even below that. So these are okay. So pioneer league, the pioneer league, yeah, is one of them. Okay, gotcha. I think the pioneer league, the Appalachian league, um, and, and I mean, yeah, some of these teams do well in the small circles that they're in, the neighborhoods, and it will affect you know summer jobs for some of these communities but you know it, well, it might I, kill I, some appalachian towns i mean flat out might just flat out kill them yeah some of the there's four only like four or five four teams in west virginia and it's i was reading uh one of the congressmen from the state was talking about how that it would be devastating to some of the local economies because it's like you know people come from you know, two or three towns over to the games and they bring in their money, you know, and, and in that town that used to be a mining town is now they, all they have is that baseball team on the, in the middle of the summer, you know, and, you know, it's unfortunate, but I understand the business side too. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely, well, you know, I mean, in, any of these teams that are lost, it, it's not just, players that are affected like you said it's the communities it's the front office from if it's two people to potentially 30 people um even more i mean it it's uh it's kind of crazy i mean i even look at the list of the high a so right below double a and it's got the team i first really interned with the daytona cubs which is now the tortugas I mean, that is a team that is on the up and up and has been for probably the last five or six years, I would say, when the new ownership came in. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no reason why they should be. I mean, they are in the top three of attendance in the Florida State League in a tourist town. I mean, Daytona Beach is literally like a massive tourist town and not just in January during bike week. 
it's all year round. And uh, to see them on this rumored list, it's uh, kind of shocking um, because they provide a quality entertainment facility, everything. I mean, uh, ownership is investing more into the product, you know, outside of the field. Um, so I, I don't know if they, uh, you know, this rumor list was a dartboard and they just kind of picked teams or if they really looked at, you know, some numbers or some stats. Uh, yeah, I was, oh. was going to say, I mean, I was going to see if, if you had any idea behind the methodology that they had gone into, but apparently, yeah, it looks like a dartboard. Yeah, randomized list to you too. Yeah, I mean, some of the teams, I, I mean, I can look off, um, you know, I, I won't bash too many teams, <laughs> um, but but I can I can look at some and say, yeah, they they, they should have been gone a few years ago, you know, um, send them to a college wood bat league and let it be that um but then other ones, it's kind of like, I don't understand. The Chattanooga, you know? the Chattanooga lookouts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Why do you think a team like Chattanooga and like throw them under when their history, they have the history that a lot of, you know, well, not a lot of, they have the history that some major league franchises wish they had. You know, uh, it, yeah, it's baffling why they took the choices. But I mean, like, one of the reasons, correct me if I'm wrong, was that MLB decided there was going to be uniformity in, a to, in the total quantity of farm clubs you could get, right? Yeah, yeah, they were talking about they wanted to make sure that it, yeah, that no one team would have, you know, one affiliate would have six teams, like everyone would have, have five teams. Like the Yankees yeah. have like seven or eight right now. Yeah, they have too many. They wanted to, they wanted to level the playing field. So there, so there is that aspect. What other business reasons would the MLB do this for? I assume, Matt, you were mentioning there are some franchises that their facilities are terrible. Yeah, I think that's I why say, the MLB wants to. I would say I, sometimes it's not always facilities are terrible. I would say they're not up to the standard of a full season team because you know you just think of on the field what's happening um like I understand. I was at, okay i i take that yeah. back it's not like it's not like they're at the oakland athletics facilities level that bad <laughs> um rather that they're they're okay for what they are but uh well, aren't and, at and, what mlb wants and consider and consider the modernization of you know weight training and you you are you have a nutritionist you have a weight trainer and you have a you know you have a yoga instructor and you're, you're learning, you know, this and you're learning that and you have the hitting instructor you're meeting with and you're hitting, you know, I mean, they, they, the, the, the major league level, they have, you know, 14 different trainers that you're meeting with and they're obsessing over what you're eating and what you're doing and how you're mo- you know, your body mechanics and metrics and it's getting all digital and crazy and, you know, all, I don't know all the buzzwords for all that, but the, the <laughs> point is, is there's been a revolution in that and they probably want to try to introduce that because the earlier it, it gets into your career and you're doing the right exercises and the right training and the right yeah. you know, moves. It, There's it, a higher percentage no, of you not getting hurt. Right, right, right. It's no longer that you just need a shower. Yeah. You got to have yeah. this 
office space. You have to have these weights, you know, and these, uh, you know, treadmills, that kind of stuff is what you're saying. Yeah. And every club has, every franchise has their own way of doing those things, but they, the, you know, the minor leagues right now don't offer all that. And if they were, yeah, sorry to interrupt you. I was going to say, so Jason, you mentioned that a lot of major league teams own their own minor league team. Why don't they just do that? uh, I think they, they used to. And I, I think it's, because I think I don't think they should, because all they will care about is potentially a clubhouse and keeping the grass green. Um, they don't care about a video board, the experience, concessions. You know, they might eventually, but really for them, it, it's about improving the product on the field while having a third party ownership group or, you know, that type of people, they care about everything else. Let, let the MLB team, you know, train their prospects into something great so that they become major league players. Cause if you're not going to become a major league player, you're just filling a roster hole and maybe that's all you're are going to be. You know, you're going to be a four a guy because you can't cut it in major leagues but you just fill in a roster for, you know, AAA, so you get a spot start or whatever. Um, I I think MLB teams really don't want to own them because that's something that they have to go and worry about, you know. And they've already seen the the resurgence of third party ownership groups that actually want to do this. They want to. Make it fun for fans to actually go to the games, you know. Um, that makes sense. I mean, you would have to you'd have to hire accountants to make sure that none of your minor leagues are in the red, and it just becomes numbers, right? Yeah. Oh, and I, I would definitely say, from I don't know, I, I'd probably say, I mean, it could be as high as double A. I mean, most of these teams just get by um, in you know as far as staying out of the red. I guarantee there's teams in, you know, on this list, especially when it comes to, you know, rookie and some short season teams that operate in the red all year. And it's just how it goes. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing, you know, it's about getting butts in the seats because, you know, if you take away the ticket cost, you, you really want someone to walk in there and be a $25 bill. Because they're gonna gonna buy food, they're gonna buy merchandise, they're gonna do this and that. Like, then you know, the more people you get in there, the more money you have. Like, so I, I wish I had more insight on what's happening to you know some of these ownership groups right now with uh, people being yeah. furloughed and let go. I mean, I've seen it at the AAA level; people got let go, um, and it's <laughs> like that's AAA. I don't even know what's happening in our backyard. Right. Doesn't it seem like, though, that the uh, MLB wants their cake and they want to eat it as well? They want some group to have this amazing facility to, you know, to manage their players, to pay for a new, you know, like in Everett, a new artificial field, you know. Um, But 
no, they want all that stuff, but they don't want to dish out the money to make it happen. Do you guys see any kind of sleaziness or hypocrisy there? Yeah. Um, yeah. A little bit. Okay. <laughs> I, I want to, I want to say, I want to say real quick though, a real quick back tangent. Um, the, uh, in regards to teams owning the minor leaguers and how they would be focused more on the revenue, a good example of that is the Mets, who own, I think, two of their feeder teams, two of, the, two of their minor league teams. And that's the big reason why uh, Tim Tebow got promoted to as high as he did in the minors, because he got promoted to a team that the Mets owned so they could get the jersey sales. Because they saw the jerseys getting sold at the lower level to a team that they didn't own, and they weren't getting the money, so they promoted him when he really wasn't going to make it at the higher level. And oh wow, yeah, uh, I mean, but, there's a lot of teams going crazy over Tebow mania, um, which I mean, in all right, I would too. I mean, why not? You know, it's uh, put push. As much as you can. I mean, I, I saw that um, in a lot of people in the, the Sally League, the South Atlantic League, that that's what they were pushing. And know what? People came. I mean, sure. he was a hell of a great college football player. And he won well, one playoff yeah. game, you know, like well, in the NFL. Right. <laughs> like, well, uh, hell, I uh, I went to see in, I think it was, I want to say 2000, I went and saw Garth Brooks play for the Padres in Peoria. Yeah. You know, so, all right, he struck <laughs> out. All right. But I saw Garth Brooks, and I don't even like country music, but I saw him, damn it. <laughs> yeah. And now you have a story to tell. And they made, exactly. you know, 30 bucks off of you or something, or 50 bucks. Because you <laughs> well, bought a beer. jersey or and a beer. hat or a beer or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, there you yeah. go. And, and that's what they want. They got that butt in the seat, and, you know, you were a $30 bill when you came in there. And they're like, that's what we need. Because if you think of, you know, you fill the stadium with 5,000 people or whatever. That's great, you know, because that revenue, you know, you pay 10 bucks for a beer that costs really probably about, I don't know, $1.50. Yeah. You right. know, like, so, you know, anything that comes from a draft is a lot cheaper than if it comes in a bottle. Just going to let you know. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> and kind of going back on how we were talking about, Teams, this might be another conversation about attendance numbers. Um, this reminds me of the Savannah Sand Nats and now the Savannah Bananas. Um, <laughs> Great name. Savannah, Savannah Bananas are a collegiate, you know, wood bat league team that operate in the same facility as the Savannah Sand Nats. And the Sand Nets last season was 20, if I think, look at this. I'm looking at a non-affiliate site, and it said the last season was 2014. They had 124,000 people in a full season. Savannah Bananas, who do the Collegiate League, are currently on an 88-game sellout streak that started in 2017 through 2019, so not counting this season. In 2019 season, they they had 117,000 fans. I mean, and that's you know what's that per just, what's that per game? Do you know uh, a lot? Uh, <laughs> but you said I'm sell out. You said at, you said 
since 2017 can sell out. That's amazing. Yeah, they've been just pushing it in like 2017. Um, their first year, it's had 108,000 um, breaking attendance for the league, and they were averaging uh, 4,173 fans. So now they're over that. Wow. Um, oh my God. These are, for these are a, college, for college kids. For a non, for a non, uh, cot, uh, Cape Cod league. Yeah, non-affiliate. Wow, you know, it's like the bells because <laughs> going four thousand people a game is like would be amazing. And these, and this is a third-party ownership group. It's owned uh, by Jesse and Emily Cole. The Jesse wears a yellow suit, a banana suit, basically with a top hat. Awesome guy, check out inspirational everything. Um, and they do everything like they like to have fun. It says, includes dancing players, uh, break dancing for a space coach, play game in kilts like everything <laughs> about promotions. Nice. And so, by the way, that's what they're about. By the way, so, by the way, quick shout out to Jonathan Shipley. I know you uh, moved out to Georgia, former Seattle Sports Union writer. Wrote about the Tacoma Rainiers, Highland Bears, Seattle Thunderbirds. He is now, uh, well, I guess maybe not this summer, but he's uh, writing for the Savannah Bananas. So uh, nice. Congrats to him. But I did not know that. That is fantastic. And you take a look at a team like the Lehigh at Lehigh Iron Valley Pigs. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. They they do something to the, they outsell most AAA teams. Mm-hmm. On a daily. And I believe they're double A and uh they do something to the effect of twelve thousand people per game. It's amazing. Yeah. They are they are part of the regime that was in Richmond. Um still the same group with Parney along with the yard goats. So that's kind of there's a lot of it's not the same ownership group, but there's a lot of uh common people that originally started in the background so that's why you know good people follow good people um and that's kind of how some of that ownership group along with the you know the reading fighting fills they're pretty close to the lehigh valley iron pigs um yeah i mean it's you get to the east coast and there there's there's a lot of people that are really close to each other and really connected Okay, let me ask. Let me ask about that, Jason. Then, mm-hmm. uh, before I before I do, um, I just want to bring up that uh, Nick Lachey is a part owner of the Tacoma Rainiers. Um, John Ryan, former puncher for the Seahawks, part owner of the Portland Pickles. Um, so, my question is: Is there kind of a is there kind of a status symbol to owning these teams? Um, when people buy them uh, because you, you said it's not necessarily a money-making scheme. It's more, it seems like it's something else. There's something else to it as to why somebody would own a minor league baseball team. I think sometimes it's uh, stroking someone's ego, make them feel good to say that, Oh, I own XYZ team. Okay. Other times it's for them to like be a, an investor that they really, this is where I grew up. This is what I want to do. Hey, I can't hit a curveball, but know what? I'm going to give you money to <laughs> have fun. You know, like, um, you know, I mean, 
it's always if you if you can't play coach and if you can't coach well work for the team you know whatever like just it trickles down that way that you know figure out how you can get involved um i think some of that is you know it's just a status symbol like they want to say i am an owner of set team and they know if they all of a sudden get their you know the band back together for a concert they can fill a stadium you know I mean, if it is 5000 6000 10000 whatever, they can still charge $40 a head and boom, everyone's there. Um, but there are people that really care about minor league baseball. I mean, I, like I'll, I'll talk about, a, you know, forever about Parney and Richmond. Um, I mean, I'm looking are at they the, what's, what's the name they, of their team again? Richmond. The Richmond Flying Squirrels. That's um, it. That's a great name. Great name. Yeah, Parney's been there 11 years, 30 plus years in minor league baseball. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy that will stick his neck out for anyone that you know will stick their neck out for him. Um, and yeah, I mean, just it's all about the experience. You know, you can't control the product on the field. I'll say that multiple times that sometimes people forget is just that, um, that, yeah, I mean, it's wins and losses really don't matter too much to the staff. However, you know, like playoffs are always great because that's extra money you didn't account for as long as the facility is not being used for something else during that time, which majority of the time people schedule, you know, the playoffs into their, you know, other teams, eh, you don't need to schedule playoffs ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, yeah, I mean, I'm looking right now, uh, you know, Richmond leading the Eastern league and average attendance in 2010, 13, 14, 15, 18, 19, and then an overall attendance in 10, 12, 14, and 15. What and, are the challenges? Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, I'm just saying, like, you know, it's... I, I I know Richmond made the playoffs in 2014 when I was there. I don't think we made it in 2012. But it's like the attendance numbers are still there. You know, it's it's because it's about the experience, not, you know, always yeah. the high-quality top name. And it's double-A, so it's a little better, you know, competition and... Sometimes you get, you know, that Tebow mania type experience with a player <laughs> rehab with a Felix coming with through Felix, or yeah, Cano, yeah. It's you know, you forgot, you forgot one aspect to the, if you, if you can't coach, if you, you know, then, then you work for the team. If you can't work for the team, then write about the team or cover yeah. the team <laughs> in media. <laughs> Oh yeah, and if you can't write, right. then you just take photos. I understand. Yeah, there you go. We're <laughs> on the board. Yeah, okay. Sorry, go ahead, Abraham. <laughs> I was going to say, you've worked for teams on the West Coast, Midwest, East Coast, and the South. Um, Jason, are there any regional differences when 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 you're trying to get people to come out to the game? Are there any regional differences that you need to take into account, or are people just pretty much people? Um. I I would say 
Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of looking at it because I, I remember some of the reports I used to see, which they would share the average ticket cost for short season. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head to be accurate, but say it's like $11. Well, $11 for a ticket, you know, in West Virginia, that that's a premium seat right behind home plate. Well, coming out here on the West Coast, $11 for a ticket, you're going to be sitting on the berm, you know, just right. how it goes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you just have to take an effect that, like, the dollar is different everywhere you go. Um, so just knowing that, I mean, there's teams that do 25-cent hot dog night, and that's AAA. You know, now they know that they can do 25 cent hot dog night because it only costs 15 cents to sell it you know in real life but it's just knowing the value i mean in every community is different too and i think that comes to the promotion side you know if if i was in north dakota near sturgis i'm gonna have a lot of bike theme nights you know and i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna do something a little bit different um and then at other times, you know, it's, you know, just trying something else out and seeing how, how it jives with people. Um, but I don't, I don't think the, the selling changes too much. I mean, a lot of it, everywhere I've always been, it's, you, you kind of look around the community and see what they're about. You know, if it's talking to Chamber of Commerce, seeing what type of businesses are there, if it's a booming, if it's a white collar, if it's a blue collar, is it older demographic? Is it an up and coming demographic? Like if you're going to Stanwood for a baseball team, you know what? That's going to be a big family because a lot of people are moving north. So that's where you're going to be pushing that. You know, you don't need to have a college night there. Now, if we're, you know, UW area, we're going to be having some college nights, you know, because there might be some people there during the summer. So I think it's just, you know, figuring out, you know, the happy median. But in other times you just say, you know what, this is what we're going to do. We're going to step outside of our, the norm, give it a shot and go from there. And I, I think that's what a lot of promotions have done in general with, you know, the conquistadores, you know, the pride nights, the different heritage nights that have been happening in major league baseball. It's just extending that reach a little bit further than what's normal. Even if it doesn't be a huge success, it's still a success for that individual group. And that's what you need. Um, so I have a, I have a question here from, from our, uh, our colleague, Mr. Solak. Um, I'm, I'm just curious as to uh, the inside view on what the president of MILB was viewed as. I mean, did, 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 was he respected around? Were the people kind of, you know, questioning him? He's, he's, by all accounts in terms of the media and Baseball America and everyone that I've been reading, there's been some disgruntled murmurs about how he's handled these negotiations with MLB. And he announced like two or three days ago that he was going to be retiring. And I think it's just kind of his cop out, but I was wondering if, if you, uh, from the, from the insider perspective as, as to, uh, if he was viewed as a good dude or if he was looking out for his own interests. I mean, I've had very 
limited interaction with him personally. Mm-hmm. Um, he is actually an Ohio guy like mm-hmm. myself. Uh, we shared that conversation actually at the Northwest League All-Star Game there in Hillsboro in 2017, I think it was. Uh, we sat right beside me and we had a conversation. You know, you know, non-social distance conversation too. Um, I, those. <laughs> I, uh, I had no issues with them. I, I never, I mean, people will say everything now, what they want. I mean, I don't think there was any concerns. Um, now everyone just says that he's copying out. I mean, sometimes it could be, you know, that you know, all the changes around you, like, yeah, I mean, it, it can, it could be going in a direction that he doesn't want. And his back's up against the wall, you know, because it's, you know, someone's way or the highway, you know, and now it's becoming, you know, it's no longer minor league baseball. It's major league baseball. And these are their, you know, their teams, um, because some of the reports were saying that, you know, everything's going to operate out in New York. So the whole Florida offices are closed. Um, you know, like that whole speculation. I mean, like, you know, you, you go from working with each other to now you're one um, instead of, and I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's done a great job. Um, yeah, I mean, it said he was promoted vice president in, uh, in administration office in 95. Um, I was just finishing kindergarten then. Um, I know you guys weren't too far behind me. Um, you know, and it's, so I I think, yeah. Was he facing a losing battle or? I, I think it could be a losing battle, honestly. I well, mean, think, it, I, think about what kind of le- what kind of leverage does he have in the deal? I mean, what's to stop Major League Baseball from just throwing their hands up and saying, "Okay, we're going to build our own feeder league, and we're just going to make deals with the existing independent leagues and and say goodbye to the existing agreement"? What kind of uh, what kind of leverage did he have? And I think that's so much of the stuff that we won't know. Um, I, I don't think you know a month from now um i think we know a little bit more on what the potential plan is i i think personally that some teams will be dissolved yet there won't be as much of a dramatic change you know as far as making full season, you know, short season teams to full season. But, you know, if they don't have, you know, everyone there, I mean, I, yeah, it, it still comes up to my hands are up in the air. Like I give me the dartboard, you know, and let's see what's going to happen because, you know, I, I think Pat's back is a, against the wall that major league baseball is just saying, Hey, this is what's going to happen. Um, you know, we're going to get the players association on it. They're going to agree to it because they want the best for the players and the best facilities so that they can have a longer career in 
less injuries of playing on a, you know, dirt field. Um, they want to play on stuff that's all, you know, managed, taken care of. Um, but, uh, yeah, as far as him, I mean, you know, sometimes the, when it's your time to retire, it's your time to retire. You know, it's, uh, there's a reason why you train the next person in command so that when you're gone, they can take over. Um, now I don't think he's the type of person that would go into hibernation. I think he would be a valuable consultant to keep around. And I think he would be that type of person that would say, you know what? I'm going to step away from, you know, my role. However, I still want to be a contributing factor for the next, you know, generation of people in minor league baseball in the front office. Um, and I, I think he would be the type of person that would do that. Um, just, yeah, I mean, he's been around for so long and been basically the, you know, a big face in minor league baseball. And I don't, I don't think he would just run away and hide. So Abraham, did you finish the dishes? <laughs> no, I was just listening. I was listening in um, with the. Uh, um, uh huh. Yeah. Okay. I've, yeah, I've actually been. By the way, I've been dominating the questions, sir. You were uh-huh. given a task to get some oh, questions really? for Jason. Why oh, don't really? Why don't we hear from you? Uh, we just did, but okay. So that was Solak. That was Solak's question. Uh, yeah, he had the same question I did. Right. Right. Uh, the problem is, is that we really they, there's just there's too many variables in the air right now, and and I don't think we can really make a judgment until we see where the ball falls. Yeah, I mean, oh. I, I think some of that too. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm still looking at some of these lists of teams, going through everything. I mean. You know, the Rocky Mountain Vibes are on the speculated list. And, you know, they just went from a AAA to a yeah, rookie league new, team. Yeah. I thought they were rather new, aren't they? Uh, it was just a rebrand because they changed from being AAA to a rookie league. So it's basically like the Everett Aqua Sox go playing at Tacoma and playing at home. It would look right. kind of weird having a big facility with, you know, 3,000 people. However, you know... I have a friend that was a photographer there, and I said, hey, you know what? As soon as that rebrand comes around, it's going to change everything. And what it do? It changed everything. I said, you had a flashy logo. You had a, you had an organization that actually cared. Um, I had someone that w- went from working with the Richmond Flying Squirrels to uh, whatever the organization was there before the Rocky Mountain Vibes and didn't even make it through the season. Um, it was just like, nope, this, this is not my cup of tea. Um, and Hey, you know, I mean that, that happens, you know, you go to facility, you, you get, you know, sold on something that, Oh, this is great. You got all these amenities around you. And then all of a sudden you're like, uh, that organization is, uh, you know, fluff. So, but I mean, it happens, you know, you gotta, you gotta roll the dice. So, um, you, you, not, well, you not talk everyone's about... a winner. You talk about a lot of people that you know you knew in different organizations, or you knew from an organization went somewhere else. Is it is it commonplace for a lot of these a lot of these uh, staffs to just hop around throughout their careers and just bounce from minor league to minor team to minor league team? Um, it it really depends on the individual. I mean, there are some people that will drop anchor and never leave. 
and just go up the the ladder Mm -hmm. and and know it great um for me you know still being single the only thing i worry about is my cat as long as she has something to eat out of and drink out of she's fine you know i I can kind of eat a hot dog from three days ago and i'll be fine too um yeah i mean it, it depends on everything i mean sometimes people are just the ownership and the ownership just stays there forever and it doesn't change and it dries out um you mean that, like the ideas? Um, oh yeah, yeah. Enthusiasm. Uh, yep. Yeah, everything about it is just stagnant. It's it's not there. It, it's it's missing the point. They can't keep people in the front office anymore. Um, I'm not going to name names, but there's people on this list that like that. This is the case in point. That you know, nothing's changed. No improvements. You know, you're, I always used to say you're polishing a turd. It's still a turd. You know, you just it doesn't help, you know, you need to freshen things up, bring in new blood. Um, but people bouncing around, I mean, it's really usually people bounce around within the same ownership group because they say, Hey, I like what you're doing here. You're making sales numbers. You're reaching goals. Um, I've got people that I worked with in Richmond who now work with the biscuits in Montgomery. You know what? It's the same ownership group. That's what happened. And, you know, I, I, I'd have to look up the, the team right now, but I guarantee there's probably about six people that I used to work with in Richmond who are now with the Biscuits. Mm-hmm. Um, but so much of that is literally just the ownership group because they see, you know, you've drank the punch. It's working out. Everyone's going good. Now let's bring it to somewhere else. Um, yeah. I'm going one, two, three, four. Yeah, four people in Montgomery out of, I don't know, their 15-person staff I worked with in Richmond. Okay. Um, and, you know, and sometimes it's just the right opportunity that they're like, hey, you know what? We're, we're, you're already capped out here. Let's move you somewhere else in a smaller pond and make something happen. Um, so I am, so I am yeah. not letting you guys off the hook because I asked for you guys to use your precognition powers and to tell me what our local, what, what is to become of our local minor league teams in the Astros, in the Astrosox, no, <laughs> Aqua Sox and the uh, Tacoma Rainiers. And, okay. and I'll uh, give you, I'll yeah, give you my answer. I want, I want to hear it. All give right. it to me, lay it on me. I I put twenty bucks on Tacoma going nowhere. They just redid that stadium and they they draw on a, a fair amount of people and it's right near the parent club. Real quick up John up to the parent club. They love it. They love location. They'll keep that team. That team's going nowhere. More more of the <clears> same. As, more of the same with them. As far as, as yeah, as far as Everett goes, I, I I'd put about a seventy five percent chance of Everett sticking around because of the same thing. You know, they like having the, the you know the parent club likes having them. You know, a short drive up the up the I five, and they can check out. You know, when George Kirby comes to camp, they can there comes to town. They can they can as after they drafted him, they can drive up north twenty minutes and see him pitch. You know. So how do you um, manage how do you manage that stadium when every community college, a bunch of high schools, the merchants, well, they're sharing the stadium. 
how, how does that manifest in a long season? That's that's the wild card as far as how much. But I want major I want time. your I want your precognition. I want well, you I'm, to let me finish what I was saying. I was saying that's the wild card as far as how much investment the major league is going to major league baseball is going to put down in making this a reality. And what do you um, think they're going to do? I honestly I think what they should what well what they should do is enter an agreement with the city of Everett and and find a way to overhaul the facility and add a building on that empty field to the south of the grandstand and maybe maybe make a nice setup for both the uh, the school district and and the uh, and the team as well and 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 service them that way um, and and bring up the level of standards that way as far as scheduling concerns I honestly don't know how they're going to rig that but they'll have to find a way. They'll have to be out of town when the when the high schoolers are playing. I mean, Matt, you're the Matt, you're the uh, the El Jefe, the dictator of Everett. What would you I'm, do? What would I do as 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 the dictator of Everett? Yes, you have all I'd, the. I'd do that deal. Him. I would do that deal. I would take it in a heartbeat. Yeah, but, but how I would you would, manage? How would you manage? Keep I would everybody have, happy. Well, if it's if it's the Everett School District's field, which it is, and it's their land, they have to have the priority. So the kids have to have their, you know, the access to the field first okay. before the and team. Then? So you try to schedule as many as few games at, at home for the Aqua Sox during the short season of the high school teams, and you don't worry too much about the Everett Community College people. They can do their own thing. Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, you definitely would do the deal. Um, It it would be, I mean, yeah, the football field south of the. um, There's room there. That's why I chose it. Yeah, I I would say you move everything that way. Um, I'm I'm looking back at the Everett Giants, the Everett Giants story, real baseball, fantastic video on YouTube, literally search the Everett giant story. It talks from the 95 season. If I remember correctly mm. about how the stadium should have been rebuilt with offices on the third floor behind home plate. There's going to be a patio, all this South gate entrance, updated clubhouse clubhouses underneath the stadium, everything. Well, they were that, probably going to connect to that structure that's behind, that's by the by the um, behind the home plate, but also next to the football field. That structure, they're probably going to do something with that structure too. Yeah, it, I've always was, wondered about that structure. It's just kind of there. No one ever uses it. Yeah, they they use it for the high school games, uh, high school football really. games, because it's like an overlook to scoreboards. It's yeah, I, I think it's for the announcers. Yeah, I think that. The football practice field would be basically they, where you would put the clubhouses. Everything would go there. Yeah, um, you could use the real field. I mean, it, there, there's no point in having two football fields. There's really no no point to it. Yeah, I don't. I, I think because the high schools I, they can practice. They have fields at their own high schools. Well, minus well, every high school, might not. Ever yeah, might ever. not, but they, but so they can practice on the main field. But as far as like you know, Jackson has if they're doing a practice, Jackson can do it at Jackson. And if if if, uh, 
Um, Cascade, they have their own big field at Cascade. So they can practice there. They don't need a practice field. Well, hell, I mean, even even now that you have a artificial turf field, you could do it on the baseball field, like in the months of October. You that's, know? that's true, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you, you can just make, make a work. clubhouse. Everything goes to that field. It can connect everything. You might, you're not going to lose anything as far as concourse experience-wise. Mm-hmm. Now, the only thing with that football practice field is when it comes to track and field, that is also a javelin throwing field. That's also a shot put. You know, all that structure can be modified in that same area without yeah. affecting a clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Um I I would say you do it that way. The old clubhouse, it's admin offices anyways, and it's not. There's no reason why a football player in cleats needs to go down 36 steps or whatever oh, yeah. it is. Not a good idea. No one takes off their shoes anyways. Um, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I would say they just have to get that done. Now, as far as. You know, other things, I mean, the clubhouse is most important because you can do a lot of different things, three-story structure, whatever it may be, attach it to the scoreboard, attach it to the Aquasox press box, whatever, like all that stuff, great. As far as scheduling, um, yeah, you know what? Like, you're going to have some type of twist and turn that, you know, the Aquasox are going to play less in, you know, the high school playing time um up until june you know i mean there are days that you know that the field is empty so maybe that's what it is the other thing could be you know scheduled double headers sorry but that could be the case um no one really likes a double header it's a long time but that could be something that they do that it could be a tuesday double header that starts at 11 a.m um, you know, for whatever reason, and it could be in the middle of a homestand, which is even worse, but you know, it's just trying to figure all that stuff out. Um, you might be playing more. And then the other thing too, would be the trade-off It's like, Oh, you want weekend games. Everyone wants weekend games. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not going to get those prime weekend games in the summer months anymore because they already gave you what you wanted in, you know, April, May, June to get things going. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it'll be different. Um, It might be something too with the high school having to play more on the road as well. Um, Or even saying Everett High School, similar to when the, you know, there was no games at home during the high school season when before the turf was put and they go play at, jackson or they go play somewhere else they've already played a whole season at a different playing field that wasn't you know Everett memorial stadium so they can do it again um it's not ideal but like that can be the case or even redoing the football field from the track and making it into a baseball field for the high school so that it doesn't have to be as big um or just remodifying a community field already instead of making it the Everett High School field. I mean, it's always going to be Everett Memorial, but, you know, 
maybe redoing a community field and having that be the the new home for a you know the high school i don't know yeah there i mean there's there's some land up north that's near the community college that's they're recently they're buying land slowly and absorbing the north end of everett but there's some land up there that's kind of vacant that i i've always kind of looked at that's next to a park and i'm like maybe you know maybe the, the community college could buy it and turn it into a you know turn it into their own field and that takes one variable out of it and then you just got to worry about high school kids and Maybe you just backload the schedule with home games and the front half of the schedule you're playing away a lot, you know, while the kids, while the high school kids are using the field. Yeah, I mean, cool. that, and then that who cares about the... the merchants? Sorry, but no one cares. <laughs> I mean, that's what they did with, uh, I mean, a lot of teams. I mean, the Chihuahuas, the El Paso Chihuahuas, when the stadium wasn't done in time, they played on the road for the first three, four months. And I think the Yard Goats played a whole season on the road. Um, did it when the Safeco Field was still under construction. Yeah, Biloxi Shuckers. They played on the road. And it was just because stadiums weren't done when they need to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, right. it, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I think it, it's there's still a lot of factors into it. You know, I mean, if if we were ears in the wall, and, you know, in the Aquasox office and listening to what they're going, I guarantee they're probably having the same conversation as us. Um, you know, the ownership group might have a little bit more on this, you know, potential cut list of teams that are going to just dissolve. You know, Thanos is going to come around here and snap, um, you know, and these teams are just going to be gone. Um, but. I don't know, you know, if anything's solid by any means, because they're, who knows? I mean, teams that we could think, oh, these are great teams, and all of a sudden someone else populates. Or one thing that I've thought of is there's no minor league baseball going on right now at all. So they're seeing that they don't need any of these minor league baseball teams to have a season. So that's the other curveball in it all is that they might quote unquote downsize, you know, this rumored list of forty-two teams. It could all of a sudden become eighty teams, and just say, you know what? We're going to put everyone in extended spring training from high A down, and all you're going to have is double A, triple A, and a major league team. Everyone else is just going to go to Arizona or in Florida, play their games there, and you know what? We might pick up some people in Pioneer League, Pioneer League here and there. But everyone else is just going to be inner squad scrimmages, split squad games, and Arizona and Florida will become like your minor league, you know, areas to watch people at their spring training facilities. Um, so, and then they that, just look at cutting the money down significantly, and that would be insane, but it could happen. COVID did not really do minor league baseball any favors. So that was gonna be that was gonna be my final question. So I'll ask a new final question for both of you. And that is what what is your level of confidence for minor league baseball? What's your level of confidence as far as it returning uh at least I'll say seventy percent, seventy five percent to the way it used to be? Because what you're painting, Jason, 
is a pretty dystopic future for people who love minor league baseball. Oh, for sure. But I, I think right now, I mean, they're they're looking at, you know, they're looking at everything, right? We're not playing as many games, so there's less injuries, less Tommy Johns, less blown out, you know, arms, anything, less uh, Joel Zemaya playing Guitar Hero and messing up his arm for the rest of the season, you know, <laughs> different things like that. Um, that's the that's logic, but I mean, what, what's, how... how... Do you think, like in your hearts, in your hearts of hearts, Matt and Jason, do you think that's where we're headed? It's inevitable, or are you holding out hope? Oh, I think everything's going. Everything will work its way out how it's meant to be. Now, will it be the way we want it to be? No, because there will be teams lost. There will be teams gone. Um, but I, I do think potentially this list of 42 will increase um, to having, you know, I, I think you could go as low as high. I mean, high A, double A, triple A, and that's it. I think short season could be cut. Uh, low A, you know, rookie league. I mean, basically rookie league, which is a lot of the young prospect, the unsigned draftees, like, that, that seems like the whole entire rookie league is gone. Short season, there's still a lot. You know, hi, Maze. My cat's talking to me. Apologize. <laughs> what um, did she say? Is she, she a fan of this or not? I don't know. She, she hasn't been to a purr in the park, so I don't know if she's a, a big minor league fan. But she enjoys <laughs> me being home, so. Matt, um, how about you and your cat? <laughs> uh, they are pro minor league baseball. They like getting me out of the house. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> but what's your confidence level, though, that um, we can change, get back change, somewhere the damage is minimal? Change is going to happen. Right, but it's inevitable. But I'm talking about, well, we understand that. We understand. That. I'm just talking yeah. about minimizing the damage here. Uh, locally, I, I don't think, I think my confidence is fairly high that our, that our two teams locally won't be too impacted. Uh, fairly high, uh, but as far as across the country, I I really do think the entire like the what the the um, Pioneer League is gone, uh, unfortunately. And yeah, like some like some of the rookie leagues and and lower end teams and um, there are there is uh, Jason was talking about earlier that you know he's looking at the list and seeing some teams that that you know he should have been gone a long time ago. There is some pruning that does need to happen to the system, um, some efficiency that does need. You know, and that, that Major League Baseball is not unreasonable to ask for um, as far as, as, as making it a little more efficient and a little bit, you know, cleaner. They Having to pay for 1,100 prospects, you know, or 1,100 players each team and, you know, keep them all active and, and, and you know, train them and, and all that is, it's, it's it, it, you know, when only like 2% or 1% make the actual big leagues is terribly inefficient and I can absolutely see the argument to, for them to wanting to, to streamline that. And unfortunately COVID did them no favors and, and, you know, even destroyed even more of, of minor league baseball's uh, negotiating power. And I think major league baseball is just going to say, this is the way it is. And unfortunately they're going to have to kind of go with it. Right on. Um, so this, at this point is where Brian Solak usually does a shout out. Uh -oh. And I would like to actually give it to Jason this week. 
Uh-oh. Jason, would, is there anybody you'd like to give a shout out this week to before we say end hello. our show? Hmm. Highlight someone. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say... It could be your cat, but your cat's already been highlighted. <laughs> yeah, she, she made a cameo. She, I don't know if she made it into the mic, but uh, <laughs> she, she, she's here. Yep, she's awake now. She's crying at me. Um, I, I definitely would say my, my shout out goes to my best friend James, who's lives in Lyons, Oregon. Um, he's been battling the, the wildfires out there in Salem area oh, wow. since Monday. Um, his city of Lyons, which has, I think, I think it has one bar, maybe a flashing light and a supermarket, small neighborhood market, um, has been evacuated since Monday. So he's been out there battling, um, the flames as a volunteer firefighter, which this week he'd probably be a full-time firefighter. And then some, um, just trying to keep everyone's community safe. Um, I heard yesterday from him that over the last three days he's had eight hours of sleep and that's combined not just in one day yeah um and they're sleeping in their rigs they're doing everything um just really to keeping the communities safe and it wasn't based off a uh, gender reveal um out there in salem but it's uh yeah and i mean he's he's getting married in uh three weeks so i'll be down there it'll be a little different since the last time i was there i guarantee that um, but it's like, yeah, I mean, it was like Christmas tree farm all over there. So, I mean, things just, you know, are up ablaze. Um, from everything I'm hearing, his house is still safe, but, you know, other people's are not. Um, and so definitely, you know, thinking about him a lot um, and all his crew, just making sure everyone's safe and I don't get a message just hear any bad news um i mean he's still what four four and a half hours away um so definitely a drive but you know just not something uh news anyone wants to hear but uh, that's definitely my shout out is uh think about him and all his crew and uh all the firefighters down there and the ones in california too i mean people uh california gets hit seems like every year and yeah you know and i i don't know too much about the stuff going on in eastern washington right now if that's you know i know we, we're getting affected by the smoke but i don't know if it's a lot of communities affected or if it's just kind of you know open farms and it's just kind of trees being trees and not so much affecting so many lives all right cool um yes uh, definitely a shout out to him and a shout out to you jason thank you for joining us on the show today i am abram deweese uh this was jason Groski. And that was Matthew Page. We invite you to take a look at our website. That's SeattleSportsTeam.com. Check out all our great podcasts here on Podbean and on iTunes as well. Check us out on social media. That's Facebook and at SeattleSportsU on Twitter. See you guys later.